Do you believe sex work should be illegal, legal, or decriminalized? We discuss all this and more in today's episode of My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Welcome back, James. Welcome, welcome. How are we doing, Oz? All good, James. All good. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been really good. Actually, before we get into this, I actually read a review on someone else's podcast recently that said, uh, could people just hurry up and get to the point? We don't care about how your weekend was. And <laughs> I'm just taking this as tongue in cheek. They were like, we don't care how your weekend was, and we just want to get to the content. I was like, mm, okay, well, uh, we won't make it a 30-minute um, talk about our weekend. We'll keep it brief. Uh, you know, the weekend was really good. I uh, kept it real quiet, and we actually had... Had a dog psychic come in and do some work. Not a psychic. Oh, sorry, a dog trainer, psychologist, oh, dog. behaviorist. Yeah, sorry, a dog, a dog psychologist. I'll call it. Bruce did not have his tarot cards read. <laughs> he's a, on the weekend. He's a Scorpio, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fire sign? I want to say. Um, yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. But yeah, no. So we had a dog behavioral therapist come in and do some work with Bruce, and I'm still on the fence as to whether people would support what we're doing with him. Or if people saw us, whether they'd think we're either nuts or mean. And I don't, I don't obviously. So, what want, things are you expected to do? Um, well, when he does things we don't want him to do, I have to make a guttural <laughs> noise. That can you do it for us, James? Please? Can I just set it up? So it's a guttural noise that's said to imitate the noise of the wolf mother pack leader, Mm-mm. who reigns cubs and like dogs and puppies into line mm-hmm. by. Doing noises like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> James, you sound like a pig. I was, I was down the park the other day, and I was doing it out. Oh, so if you see me walking around Perth grunting at my dog, please know oh. that it's just something that we're trying, <laughs> trying to curb some of his behaviour. <laughs> oh, how about you, Oz? How was your, how was your week? <laughs> well. Not nearly as exciting as yours. I did go to a pool party at one of the local restaurants in Ellie Beach. Oh, and yeah. James, they have hired a fake lifeguard who wears a G-banger <laughs> and nothing else. And what we're about to talk about today, James, I had serious concerns about sexual exploitation to the point where I had to go and oh, have no, a chat. You didn't go just, and talk to him. I did, no. I did. I did. I just wanted to check that he was okay with this. He hasn't been exposed to like thousands of hours of podcasts about sexual trafficking (laughs) and and consent and choice. (laughs) It turns out he's a stripper and he's more than happy, G-banger or no G-banger, it turns out, James. So I feel much better having checked in with him that he loves strutting his stuff around the pool. You're so right, right? This is the perfect intro to today's conversation around the podcast Sold in America. Now, as a reminder, Oz, would you mind giving a bit of an overview of what Sold in America is all about? So Sold in America is a Stitcher podcast. And James, you said earlier that we are in danger of our podcast becoming a Stitcher recommendation (laughs) podcast. They are pumping out some absolute classics. We're going to need some fun sent through from Stitcher quite quickly because we we, we are essentially just 
rolling them through. Like, you made another one, Stitcher? Cool, let's talk about it on our show. <laughs> and they're, they're always so good. No, but that's, that's why, right? That's the reason we talk about them, just to be clear. We're not, we're not biased. We don't have any – we're not sponsored. We don't have any affiliation to any podcast house. Not yet anyway, but uh, <laughs> they just make really good podcasts. This one is no exception. Norta Gori, who is the host, is a Muslim lady from the United States and she is investigating whether or not sex work should be legalized or decriminalized or should remain legal. And wow, does she conduct some interesting interviews with people across all the different opinions on this topic. Nor can I just say thank you so much for making me... Really sit there and question my choices as a 22-year-old because uh, the things you are up to at your age uh, make me very embarrassed about what, yeah. what I was getting up we to. We feel very at inferior years old. to you. Oh, you are goals, mate. You're doing so such amazing work, and yeah, it does come across very selfless, doesn't it? Her work. Oh, and she's married to a gentleman who owns a company called listen up clothing mm. and they raise money for the homeless so in terms of what are you doing for society because <laughs> i Nortigori is setting the standard yeah i wasn't invested enough so i just thought i'd um i'd set up a chair I'd, I'd partner with someone who's got a charity that oh mate seriously just goals mate you're doing you're doing so well amazing human absolutely amazing mm. and she herself was exposed to a really upsetting experience at the age of 12 mm. where an older man in a lift tried to grab her and kiss her and in this particular case she went straight to her parents they were informed and her father basically beat the crap out of this guy who'd kissed her but that was the trigger point for Nor, wasn't it james mm. where she became really interested in violence against women and i think that's where this podcast really stemmed from kind of 10 years ago for Nor. Yeah, a 12-year-old who figured out um, quite quickly that there was something extremely wrong here and influenced her to do a lot more research in this space and see that there's a lot of injustice happening in this area that really needs to be called out and dealt with. And I, I want to set the scene because Noor wears full traditional Arabic clothing. So to be having these conversations with the kind of people that she is in the sex industry, sex workers pimps that call themselves not pimps people running clinics to rehabilitate johns she, she's out there having these really brave conversations but so i wanted to make that really that, that visual really clear for people because in and of itself it's quite progressive and brave yeah yeah and for such a young lady she is just such an inspiration because she is looking into all the different elements predominantly around sex trafficking in America. And James, did you realize how prolific sex trafficking is in America to the point where there's one gentleman who describes if he wanted a 12-year-old in his hotel room, he could make a quick call and within half an hour, a 12-year-old would be there. Does that scare you to the moon and back? Sadly, today, no. I think ah. maybe... maybe a year ago, it would have been a lot more confronting. But with all this kind of Pizzagate, Jeffrey Epstein mm. kind of stuff. Pizzagate's not real, by the no, way. No, 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 no. I'm just, yes, I'm just putting <laughs> that out there as one of the things that, that's out there that the stats don't confront me as much as they probably should or used to. Wow. That's sad though, isn't it? That's really sad, James. That's so sad. It's, it's still really worrying to me and it's still disappointing and it still needs to change and, you know, all of those things. But if you'd have told me that a year or two ago, I probably would have been a lot more astounded than I probably currently am. 
it's just disappointing for me. It's really, really disappointing. Oh, it's hugely disappointing. And something that I think Noor does really well is she explores all the different angles of sex work. And one of them that she delves into quite deeply is the connection between sex work and drugs. So James, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what that connection is? So with our approach to these reviews, we never want to give total spoilers to the podcast. We will keep it quite high level just so that you've got the opportunity to know what the podcast is about. But if you want to, and what we're really hoping that you do go away and do is listen to the podcast in full because it's where you'll get the, the true value of it. One of the subjects that she does touch on though is how when people fall into the habit of uh, certain illicit subs, uh, certain illicit, illicit substances. <laughs> How much have you had? I know, right? Today, it's James. only one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, no, but when people fall into the habit of using or engaging with illicit substances as a means to an end, sometimes with no other work and uh, falling out of full-time jobs, the only thing left for them to do is to turn to sex work. But one of the other confronting sides to that problem is pimps or james some some of these pimps are the children's families who are so desperate for drugs that they are pimping out their goddamn children Mm. and further to that or another layer to that is that these pimps will actually get these women addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. as a way of keeping them around and being able to continue servicing the work and bringing them in money like it's such a horrible horrible dynamic that people are using drugs to entrap people into a lifestyle that maybe in other situations they wouldn't have normally chose for themselves. Yeah. And James, I know for you and I, we've never been addicted to hard drugs. So it's probably hard for us to judge what you would do when you are that severely dependent on hard drugs. Mm. I just can't imagine how horrific it must be to think that that is an option to either pimp out yourself or pimp out your children in order to get hold of drugs. Yeah. That to me, this this is why I think drugs is such a cancer in today's society, but I just don't know how we solve it. We've talked about it in so many other episodes. You know, We've looked at America's fentanyl crisis, which is probably in part having some sort of influence yeah. on the sex work or sex trafficking industry in, in the States. We've looked at, oh, we haven't looked at it specifically, but we know that the people that brought us Real Dictators also do a podcast on Real Narcos. And so there's all, mm-hmm. all of these drug trades that are happening all around the world that could and probably are influencing. Is, is it an epidemic, the sex trafficking? Is it, is it, is it, is it that big of a problem? I, I, I don't know. How, how big does it have to be? For me, if one child is sex trafficked, it's a problem. Yeah, it's a, it's, I, I was just going to go big and call it, you know, it is. It's an epidemic. Like they're talking about the fentanyl crisis. There's a sex trafficking crisis in the States. All over the world, James. Yeah. I think Noah was focusing on the US. I think... The situation of sex trafficking is far worse if we were to look at Southeast Asia. Yeah, totally. And having been to Southeast Asia and many parts of it myself, in some places it can be so blatantly obvious that Mm -hmm. there's a real issue. Yeah. I've been in places like Thailand and Indonesia and I have seen men, I'm not joking, they're in their 80s and 90s, sat in the pool with a girl younger than me with their arm around them And then the next day, it's a different girl, and it makes me want to vomit. Mm -hmm. And I think something that Noor does really well is she shows both sides of it. So she actually gets to speak to some of the Johns Mm -hmm. involved in paying for sex work. And one of the most interesting conversations for me was the issue of supply and demand. So 
In terms of that, James, how do you think prosecuting the sex workers as opposed to prosecuting the Johns, like the Nordic model, is helping stem the crisis? Well, firstly, I need to say that America, and much like other parts of the world, with all their states and the different rules that they all have, blows my mind. It just makes me really frustrated that there's no consistency across this. So in one state, they could be really trying to tackle an issue and working really well on creating laws and rules and regulations and then cross the border and it's a minimal fine that is less than stealing a sandwich and and less than not having a fishing fishing permit like that kind of stuff just really blows my mind so i i definitely think this podcast has you flipping sides constantly Mm so yeah now we're looking at it from a group of people who believe that if we target the buyers that will eradicate the problem. And so we're going to give the buyers fines and we're going to make in certain one certain state in, in the United States at the moment, if you're caught soliciting sex work, you need to pay a monetary fine, but also attend 10 weeks of counseling to try and reform your behavior. Now, and there's these different outreach clinics that are being run. And so you're hearing from the perspective of the people that run these clinics Right. And and all of a sudden your brain's like, yeah, that makes sense. What a great solution. <laughs> yeah. Let's focus on the Johns. And then the next episode, well, we're actually now going to look at it from the workers' perspective and how they view that situation and a very polarizing view yeah. on on their perspective of targeting the clients because that just means that for them, their business becomes less safe. They've got to go and do it in more dangerous situations. And Nor did a really good job of, as you said, exploring all sides and really getting you to think, like, what do you genuinely believe? Because you yeah. could have one really convincing person telling you one thing, but then yeah. in another episode, you've got a different person with a whole different yeah. perspective who's equally as compelling. And I was sitting there the whole time just torn from side to side. Yeah. So. I'd be really keen for our listeners to, at some point, send us a message on Instagram or whatever it might be and hear your thoughts on where you sit with all this. Because it is is one of those series that has you bouncing from side to side to side to side. I flip-flopped so many times. I would listen to one episode and there'd be one expert saying, it's called a trick for a reason because it's a trick of consent, but it's you can't hand over money in order to have sex with somebody who doesn't want to have sex with you. And I was like, yeah, that is, I'm totally on board with that argument. And then you would hear from a sex worker saying, excuse me, it's my body. I can choose to do what I want mm. with it. And I'm like, yeah, totally go for the sex. Go girl, girl, get it. Yeah, I was back and forth, back and forth. And I just found it such a balanced argument. And I'm still on the fence, James. Well, I, I think for me, the real question that came up is, are we trying to group together things that don't necessarily need to be focused on in the same breath? So sex trafficking, for example, is an issue. And I genuinely believe that sex trafficking is an issue from hearing from all the experts. I think they would all agree. However, sex work from a conscious, informed adult who's choosing to engage in that particular practice, that doesn't necessarily fall into the same category for me. So, so how would you police that, James? Well, like anything, like how, how have we created rules around labor? And it's another conversation that they get into. So any kind of industry has rules, regulations. They've got processes and procedures that are followed by certain entities around the world to run business when it comes to mining, when it comes to financial entities. You know, 
there, there is structures, procedures and rules that have been set in place by governing bodies. And I think that a governing body needs to decide on the rules and regulations for sex work. But like in all other areas, it needs to be an expert in that field. So we have a minister of finance. We have a minister, a minister of farming. farming, right? And these people, they got to that role. Imagine that, the minister of sex work. But this is the thing, right? What What is so wrong with that? Like, if in every other industry we can have ministers of all these things that have got to those positions by being voted in and being experts in those fields, according to a number of people, we need to be voting in people educated in the sex working space that can create a set of rules and guidelines. To, that's my opinion anyway. And James, you and I, we've both been to Amsterdam. So we've we've been in a city where sex is legal and mm. the sex workers pay tax. What were your thoughts on the Amsterdam model? Mm. Uh, well, to be honest, at the time, I didn't know that they had a model. I just, like, oh. I was so young and I don't think I really kind of understood exactly what they are. I now know upon <laughs> you reflection. You just wandering around the red light district. I was just road. wandering around because it was told what I needed to do. You know, like, grab a bike and go exploring and have a look uh-huh. around. And How old were you? Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> 12. <laughs> I, was, I was of age, all right? Um, no, I would have been in my early 20s, but just I think I was there with such a juvenile brain upon reflection. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't. You were there for the marijuana. I was there for the good times, right? <laughs> Doesn't that cafe do like matrix mushrooms? Um, but yeah, like, so I, I think you, you now bringing that to my attention. Yes. I now understand as a 35 year old adult that they have certain rules and laws and don't sex workers get taxed in that country. Yep. Yep. You pay tax. Yep. So. And you have a license. Hmm. So I, I think that's that model that you spoke about before, which is the, the Nordic model. That No, no. Nordic model is the prosecution of the Johns. In Amsterdam, the Johns don't get prosecuted because it's totally legal. So it's legalised, but it's got rules in place. And Oh, yeah, like if you, if you upset the sex worker, she will call her bodyguard and you will potentially never be seen again. Hmm. But I, w- which leads us like brilliantly to the fact that if there are these places that have laws in place for sex workers... One of those places is in Nevada. And mm-hmm. in Nevada, there are rules and it's it's legalized, but with, with it becoming legal. Brothels are legalized. So, yes, brothels are legalized where you can sell sex under um, a roof, but following these guidelines. And in order to get them, yes, you need licenses. And what I found was really interesting is that you go and are introduced to a man by the name of, oh. and I wonder if he rings a bell for any of our listeners, for whatever reason, we won't ask, but uh, his name is... Dennis Goff. Yeah. And he looks like you might think he looks. Yeah. <laughs> so he is not a pimp. He makes that really, really clear. Although the title of his book. He is a pimp. Although the title of his book that he wrote is called The Art of the Pimp. So how can yes. you walk around as an author of The Art of the Pimp, proclaiming to the world that you are not a pimp and have this facade when someone comes in and interviews you that you are such a caring, conscientious person who's helping people out uh and on the other like in that same interview at one stage crack your facade turn around and yell at the girls to get back into their rooms um (laughs) it just seemed quite hysterical that that nor was able to capture that so yeah we're looking at this idea that in one state they've made it legal they've got all these rules and then you'll hear from a sex worker saying yeah but having those rules 
works for a demographic, a, a certain demographic of people that doesn't actually speak to the majority of the people that are out there conducting sex work. And I thought that was a real interesting argument because, yes, in order to get this license, you need to pay a certain amount of money that not all these people who are out there doing sex work as a necessity, I suppose, necessarily have. And then on top of that, hearing that Dennis Goff had a very particular kind of person that he employed as his sex workers, which were all blonde and all curvaceous. And again, constantly you're going back and forth in this podcast. So be ready to have your viewpoints challenged by some extremely persuasive arguments. They are, they're persuasive, but they're from people that have a very like not narrow view, but very specific way of looking at the world. Like Yes. Yeah. They 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 are definitely the polar opposites mm. of opinion on this topic. So one minute you could be hearing from somebody who's saying, I need food and shelter and therefore I have to do sex work. And the next minute you're hearing from somebody who wants to make sex work illegal and saying and I, I definitely f- have an affinity with this argument, James, because they do talk about the neurological aspect of if you continually exercise a particular neurological pathway in your brain, for example, visiting sex workers, it becomes easier and easier and easier until it just becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. And his main argument was there is not a single woman who would choose to do sex work. So we can't even have the argument about whether we should decriminalise or legalise sex work until we have closed the gender gap, got rid of all misogyny in the workplaces, and then say to women, oh, would you choose to be a sex worker? Because at the moment, if women are choosing to do sex work for food and shelter, that seems more of a desperation rather than a career option. Or Wasn't that ironic that that came from a man? <laughs> like, I know. That a man was telling us that it was misogynistic and... When you heard from women in the podcast who had complete opposite opinions to opposite, him, it was yeah. just like, well, I don't know, as as convicting as your argument sounded at one point, to hear from a woman who's in that trade and chooses to be there of her own volition, I would have to back that of sound mind and body, people should be able to make a choice. And if that choice is to sell their but look at OnlyFans at the moment. I'm sorry, but do you know what OnlyFans is, Oz? No. Oh, well, see, here's where I get to educate you a little bit. Um, because OnlyFans is something that's become really popular over COVID. Now, when Instagrammers could no longer go and visit these beautiful places and remind people of all the cool things that they could do with their lives, a lot of them turn to a platform that allows you to sell risque pictures and videos of yourself for a membership fee. And if you look at the stats around the people that have OnlyFans out there, there are thousands and thousands of people with OnlyFans accounts who have big social media followings, who now have turned to offering more explicit content, not in all cases, but in, in most cases, more explicit content showing more of their bodies, choosing to do it because they see it as a way of, of making extra cash. And I, my, my argument is that if there's an audience for it, people can and we'll choose to offer it. Yeah, so again, going roundabouts, because that, that's something that's happening in 2021, that tentatively, I like, cautiously, go and have a look 
Google OnlyFans. Okay. I will Google OnlyFans. <laughs> oh my God. And just be ready. You know, everything you Google's track. Be ready. Um, yeah, no, I know. Well, our profiles are probably like you're a serial killer to a, um, to, who, to whoever your FBI agent is that's <laughs> <Right>. following you. <laughs> I think the the podcast sold in America is such an interesting, and James, we both love podcasts that educate us mm-hmm. and really challenge the way we think. And I cannot recommend that our listeners go away and listen to Nortagori's Sold in America highly enough because this is a topic that I think we do need to think about because traditionally the way the sex trade is advertised, as you referred to earlier, when you go to Amsterdam and Southeast Asia, it's seen as this fun sidekick effort and you come in and watch a sex f- show come in and yeah like exactly. watch ping pong ball be flowing around the room and yeah. Yeah, yeah all that kind of stuff i think sometimes we can forget that there are human beings behind those shows and those offerings that maybe don't want to be there and not not to put you on the spot james but if you were the president of the united states and the question came up would you legalize sex work how would you go well I think I'm now going to draw on the fact that the country that I'm from and a little bit proud of <laughs> has done some, some – is the only country in the world as of 2003 that decriminalised. Not legalised. Not legalised, but decriminalised sex work. And I, I see it as real – we've been flag bearers quite a few times in our in our short history. Uh, in, in our, yeah, we are in New Zealand, right, in terms of – uh, female prime ministers, in terms of women to get the first vote. And as of 2003, we decriminalized sex work. And there's a big difference. And this podcast will educate you on the difference between decriminalization and le- legalization and v- very different arguments for why they believe that one is better or preferred to the other. And that's a whole different debate to the, the team of people that think it should be illegal. So you've got multiple viewpoints in this podcast that you'll find. And I think if I was the, coming back to your question, if I was the president of the United States of America, swearing my allegiance to the flag, oh, that's a horrible American accent. Um, I think I would, rather than legalize it, I think I would look at ways to decriminalize it. Nice. How about you, Oz? What would you do? If you were the first lady president or female president of the United States, what would you do? I think I would need to educate myself more on the industry because I don't know a huge amount about it. But I think if we could get to a point where education was free for all and you could go to university and do, say, a degree in sex work and then you choose to go into sex work, like people choose to go into dentistry or medicine, Mm -hmm. I would much prefer it to be a highly regulated profession such as that where you are highly paid it is a very conscious choice and it's a very prestigious profession and we could start to get rid of some of the stigmas around it. I think that would also help with the sex trafficking of particularly children because people would be able to go and see a professional without so much social disregard mm. attached to it. Here's where that question pops up for me. Why is selling sex such a taboo subject and Why was it studied in ethics? Right. Like when we're studying about ethics and morals, it's is it ethical to sell sex? Like it's it's as mentioned in the podcast, it is the oldest profession and has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And yet in 2021, we still have such conflicting views. And I wonder where that conflict comes from. Like, why would we be so okay putting 
a worker underground in a dangerous environment for 12 hours a day, uh, exposed to certain elements and chemicals that they know are going to do long-term harm to their body. Like, why is it okay that we can put people in those situations consciously and uh, feel that that's totally fine, whereas people selling their body is something that's not? And I have a theory that organized religion and the way that it is that it sits underneath like everything that we do in the modern in, in the modern world so our, our laws have hints and still a lot of um religious based laws that we actually have in our in our modern government i genuinely think that religion is one of the things that sees it as such this nasty taboo subject and, and therefore maybe why people find it so conflicting i don't know i'm just thinking out loud now but I think that was what was so special about this particular podcast is Norta Gori is a Muslim woman mm-hmm. and a proud Muslim woman. Obvi- a very proud Muslim woman. And sex work is not allowed in the Muslim religion mm-hmm. in Islam. And for her to be able to have these very open, non judgmental conversations with every single aspect of the spectrum, I thought she did a fantastic job. And I haven't got words to say how much i admire her for bringing sold in america to the podcasting world mm. no you did you did a fantastic job Noah. and yeah we genuinely look forward to what what comes next for you because yeah if this is was this her first ever podcast oh was are you aware of yeah that? i think it so, was a yeah. right um i just i just we need to lift our game james in terms of knowing that stuff you mean no, just in terms of the professionalism. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know she had Stitcher behind her, but it was such a superb podcast. But she's been she's been a journalist for for a while. So yeah, I, I just really look forward to seeing what Nor does next. And we we can't recommend this podcast highly enough. Go out there, listen, download, subscribe, listen, and we genuinely would like to know your thoughts because I don't think Ollie and I have necessarily landed exactly on Mm-mm. what we think is right or wrong, what we think is the best way forward. But what I found fascinating about Noor's one of her last episodes is that oh and I just have to let our listeners know sorry just to um dive back in for just a quick second one of the cool things that she did with bringing this podcast to life was the way in which she engaged with her audience now each episode when she'd interview someone or go to certain places she'd say oh we've taken a picture of us here and if you want to see that picture text this word to to to, to, you know whatever it was um and at certain like difficult topics, she'd also invite her listeners to send voice memos about mm-hmm. questions or stories that they wanted to share. And I just thought that was such a great way to engage the audience. And you saw it come to life really yeah. effectively in that last episode where people mm-hmm. were asking questions and sharing their stories. Um, yeah, really powerful. So you did a really good job, Nora. And yeah, we look forward to what comes next. So, Oz, at this point of the show, we always want to know what else is happening in Ollie's Good Ear. Well, James, as you know, this week has been the CPAC conference in America, where I would like to say that the Republicans have gathered and are discussing Republican Party matters. But based on the news coming out, it's more like a QPAC conference of QAnon believers who are just sat around conspiracizing about... Conspiracizing. (laughs) Conspiracizing about the world being taken over by paedophiles. So I recently listened to a phenomenal podcast called Q Clearance, and it's by a British gentleman who is exploring the origins of 
QAnon. Mm, what? And didn't you know Ollie? It's JFK, and he's JFK Jr. He's <laughs> come back, and he's um, sending messages from beyond the grave. Well, it's really disappointing, James, because it turns out that it's just this ex-American guy who now lives in the Philippines and lives on a farm, and this is well-known information, and he's a nobody, and he is QAnon, and. The insurrection on the 6th of January and everything that has been spouted is just some weirdo who now lives in the Philippines is so disappointing. As we know about conspiracy theorists, if you, even if you presented that information to them in front of their face, oh. they would come up with some other explanation as to why that had happened. They wouldn't care. They would not care. And this particular journalist has gone away and done some pretty thorough research. We're talking... Now can I ask, who was he funded by, Ollie? If it's independent, I'll take it on board. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second, and we're not wanting to ever discredit people's views or you know your beliefs and whatever you believe in. But I was referencing Brian Class then when I said that you can present a conspiracy theorist with blatant evidence right mm-hmm. in front of your face, and they will come up with a completely out the box explanation as to why what you're blatantly putting in front of their face is not true. Um, yeah. So. The podcast was hosted by Jake Hanranahan and was presented by iHeartRadio. However, Jake is a well-renowned journalist in the UK and has been hunting the origins of QAnon for many, many years Mm. and produces all of his evidence and all of the background to everything that he discovers. And he also takes you on a journey from the different people who claim to be Q along the way And then he lands on the evidence that shows that when these messages come out, because he's obviously part of a lot of QAnon memberships now because he's managed to weasel his way in, when they check the IP addresses of the computers that it's sent out from, it's always the same one. And he, he shows that the FBI are all over this, they know this, and it almost feels as if they're saying, it's okay, it's like a new religion, that if weirdos want to buy into it, we're okay with that because this guy one day will die and he will sell his subscription to somebody else. But the person who has it at the moment is not that dangerous and just spouts nonsense. So we're okay with it. And that's what I always think. Like how, if we try and silence a voice, are we giving it more value than it actually has? If you mm-hmm. if you genuinely don't believe in what this person is saying, then what's the point of going out there? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's millions of social media accounts that are out there spouting absolute nonsense that, in someone's opinion, right? Um, and I kind of always just think about it as, well, if you don't like it, just carry on scrolling. Like don't, yeah. don't you know, as long as it's not causing any harm. Like as long as he's not rallying people to go in and murder someone or um, – you know, like you know what I mean. As long as he's not, those aren't his call to arms or call to actions for his his people, or to drink the cyanide and wear some Nikes or whatever it might be. Mm. So yeah, interesting. Oh, okay, cool. So that one's called again, Ollie. Q clearance. Q clearance. Now I know we have some conspiracy theorist listeners, and uh, also some people that probably sit on the complete opposite side of the fence. So. If you're interested in a bit of extra listening this week, go out there and check out Q Clearance by... Can I just point out as well, this is not the only podcast I've ever listened to about Q. It was just the most, it was the best, most evidence-based one I've ever listened to. But it's about the seventh one. And I'm quite knowledgeable now about Q. I bet you are. (laughs) What's his favorite Filipino dish? 
No, 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 I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm Although he is also part of the sex trafficking ring, which is ironic because, you know, Q's supposed to be anti-sex trafficking of children oh, and paedophiles, oh. but interestingly, and he's a pig farmer. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, hey. All pig farmers no, are bottom of the barrel. No, 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 no. I'm not going to put that out there because I know someone who's a pig farmer. Uh, oh, I know sorry. a few people that are pig farmers and they are lovely, lovely people. Are they breeding pigs for cuddles? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell the vegan what they're doing with the pigs, um, but I will just say that they are nice people. Yeah. So um, that's the bit of extra. That's the bit of extra listening, if you'd like it. But I want to know what's on the cards for us at my friend has never listened to a podcast. Okay, James. This was a recommendation that came from one of our longtime listeners in Perth, Gemma. So thank you so much, Gemma, for this recommendation. And it is season one of. This Sounds Serious by Kelly and Kelly. And James, I would like you to try and guess, what do you think this podcast is going to be about? It's called This Sounds Serious, season one. It really confused me because the title sounds ominous, but your tone sounded very whimsical. (laughs) And I'm, I'm now in two minds about what it actually might this. So I didn't sound serious. You didn't. You were like, you were like, this sounds serious, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you've thrown me because I, I, I would have thought this sounds serious. I wouldn't give you two sex traffickings in a no, row. No, 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 no. This sounds serious. I'm going to go out out the box for this one, Ollie. I'm going to say that this is about noise frequencies that are. Uh, interfering with people's brains no (laughs) that was such i thought that was such a good guess because you were focusing on the word sounds serious i don't think you'll guess james because this sounds serious is an overarching label and they currently have three seasons and they each have a separate title so i feel really bad giving you the overarching title now okay hemi olds what's it about this podcast is about the death of a weatherman in the state And the journalist takes you on a very, very interesting journey into his life and his death and the reasons why he might or might not be dead. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. (laughs) What? It's a mystery, James. It's a murder mystery. I love, I love, you know, I love a good murder mystery. Mm-hmm. But I've just got so many questions, and I think the only way that I'm going to answer them is if I go and listen to this podcast. So I don't really have anything else to say other than lock it in. I'm going to da- I'll download, I'll subscribe this afternoon. And there's only eight episodes, and they're only about forty minutes each. Okay, done. For our listeners, if you're if you're joining me this week, we're going to be listening to This Sounds Serious by Kelly and Kelly. And you'll notice that the logo says Grand Casino. Don't worry, Grand Casino is the title of season three, okay. but season one has a different title. So we're listening to season one of This Sounds Serious by mm-hmm. Kelly and Kelly. Yeah. Uh, the story about a weatherman who may or may not be dead. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know how to you know how to pitch them, don't you? Oz, to really kind of befuddle me. <laughs> like, well, I think you're gonna love it just because it's very different from anything I've ever recommended to you before. Cool. All right, 
as always, a massive thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate your support and following us on this journey. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can contact us on any of our socials. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also drop us an email at myfriendhasnever at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Now, if you like the show, please make sure you like, subscribe, and give us a five-star review because it really does help other people find us. A huge thank you to Jeff May, our editor. And as always, a massive thank you to MJ from Multidesign for our theme music. All right, James, I'll talk to you on the other side. I'll talk to you on the other side, buddy. <laughs>